everyone. It's Leslie Ludy, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. Today, we're going to be talking about the difference between set-apartness and legalism. Probably you've seen one of those holier-than-thou type of Christians who walks around in spiritual pride and takes a lot of pleasure in being better than everyone else. Or maybe you've seen Christians who are ensnared to stiff rules and legalism. Their outward life may appear holy and pious, but you can tell that they're miserable and unhappy. I don't know about you, but whenever I see either of those two extremes, it makes me want to run in the other direction. In fact, there was actually a time in my life when I became convinced that any kind of standard for holiness or purity or just a righteous way of living was legalism and that it was actually better to be lax and compromised in my Christian life than to end up like one of those legalistic, miserable, or holier-than-thou believers. I remember watching a young woman who actually later became my sister-in-law when I was in my late teens, and watching her life really made an impact upon me in this area because I recognized that she had very high standards for her life. She wasn't out there pursuing guys and flirting with guys. She dressed in a beautifully modest way. She just lived a very holy, Christ-centered life, and yet she did so with the most beautiful radiance and happiness and joy that I had ever seen. Her name was Chrissy, and she was uh, Eric's sister. And we would be rooming together maybe on missions trips or family trips, and I would watch her when she would first wake up in the morning. And she was so joyful, she would immediately have a huge smile on her face and say, good morning, Lord, and grab her Bible off her nightstand and just begin pouring through it with an amazing radiant look on her face as if, you know, the beloved of her soul has just left her a letter and she just cannot wait to read it. Watching her life was really incredible, and it changed my entire perspective on set-apartness. I began to see where true set-apartness has to come from, not from rules, but from a passionate daily relationship with the King of all kings, just like what I saw in Chrissy's life. I had always been afraid that if I adopted higher standards for purity and holy living, I'd become like those stiff, somber, legalistic Christians that I had always seen growing up. But now I began to realize that set-apart living when it flowed out of a personal, passionate relationship with Jesus Christ was actually not dour or somber or restrictive. It was actually radiant, beautiful, and fulfilling. So I began to learn how to build my life around my relationship with Christ and surrender my life completely to Him. And he just gently started to purify my daily habits and choices and decisions. I found myself making a lot of similar decisions as Chrissy did. I began to dress differently, speak differently, and spend my time differently. But none of those decisions were made out of a sense of obligation or trying to get on God's good side. They were just simply because he was lovingly refining me and making him more like himself. And around that same time, I read a book called God's Missionary by Amy Carmichael. It was a very little, simple, short book, but it so beautifully captured that kind of relationally refining work that God was doing in my life in that season. And here's one of the quotes that I loved from that book. 
It's not that he forbids us this or that indulgence or comfort of life. It's not that he is stern, demanding obedience. But it is that we who love our Lord and whose affections are set on the things that are in heaven voluntarily and gladly lay aside the things that charm and ravish the world. That for our part, our hearts may be ravished with the things of heaven, and that our whole being may be poured forth in constant and unreserved devotion in the service of the Lord who died to save us. So when we are desiring to pour our lives out for the one who gave everything for us, that is when we begin to live a truly set-apart life that is not based in legalism. It's not based in rules. It's not based on trying to impress God or get on his good side. And it's not based on trying to appear holy to other people. It's simply based on a love relationship with the king of all kings and, and a heart that says, Lord, you've given everything for me Of course, I want to give everything for you in return. Here are a few ways to choose set-apartness over legalism in your daily life. First of all, to let your choices and decisions come from an attitude of joyful surrender rather than duty and obligation. When I was young and just trying to grapple through this issue in my Christian walk, I was so longing to be right with God that I sometimes forgot and I I began to think that it was all up to me to keep my life on the straight and narrow path. And so I found myself using a lot of self-effort to try to wear God-honoring clothes, speak God-honoring words, conduct my behavior biblically. It was really easy to fall into the trap of doing the right things but for the wrong reasons, out of a sense of duty and obligation and not joyful surrender. And when this happened, I would lose my joy and I would feel weighed down by the idea of being set apart for Christ. One day I read a verse in the book of Jude that really profoundly made an impact on me. Is Jude one twenty four to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. And as I read those words, I was freshly reminded that Christ and Christ alone was the one who could keep me from stumbling and that my job was not to make a list of, quote, set apart rules to obey and put my trust in. Rather, my job was simply to abide in Christ. And if I abided in him, he would keep me from stumbling. So abiding in Christ is the way that you can be sure that you are living set apart from the right motives instead of the wrong motives. 1 John 3, 6 says, whoever abides in him does not sin. As we abide in Christ, he guides us and directs us and purifies us from sin and convicts us when conviction is needed. So in other words, our lives can only truly become pure and pleasing to him as an outflow of our daily intimacy with him. And that is incredibly freeing to realize. When it comes to righteous living, our main focus should be on abiding in him and letting him do that work of refinement in us by his grace. So I really believe that abiding in Christ is the single most important step in being free from the bondage of legalism. If you're unsure where to begin in this journey of learning how to abide in Christ, then I encourage you to meditate on the words of John 15, where Jesus tells us what it really means to abide in him. And he says, without me, you can do nothing. What an incredible reality check that no matter how many rules or checklists we may make for ourselves without him, if we're not abiding in him, it all amounts to 
nothing. There are also some really great classic Christian books that focus on abiding in Christ. There's one called Abide in Christ by Andrew Murray and The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer, The God of All Comfort by Hannah Whitehall Smith, and Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. Those are a few of my favorites. In addition to learning how to abide in Christ daily, here are two other really important keys to being set free from the trap of legalism. One, don't idolize your personal convictions. I have been to many different homeschool conferences, and and sometimes I see wonderfully joyful, radiant, outward-focused homeschool moms at these conferences, but sometimes I see women who are literally just parading around their own personal convictions. They are obviously taking a lot of pride in the clothing that they're wearing, the size of their family, their decision to homeschool. I've even heard some of them really badmouth and look down on people who choose not to homeschool. And that is when personal convictions have gotten out of their place and become something of an idolatrous focus in our lives when we make our personal convictions our own identity instead of our identity being in Jesus Christ. So ask the question, when others think of you, do they think more about your personal opinions and choices than they do about Christ? It's not wrong to have very strong convictions about things like how you should dress or if you should homeschool your kids, but it should never take the place of the position of Jesus Christ as being the main thing that people know and notice about you. If people notice you and evaluate you and see you mainly for your own personal convictions, then that is a sign that you might be placing too high of a priority on them. It's not that people can't be impacted for Christ by seeing you live out your convictions, but people are far more likely to be drawn to the gospel when they sense the attitude and nature of Christ exuding from you, rather than just noticing that maybe your kids sit still in church or that you always wear long skirts instead of pants. When personal convictions are placed above Christ, they make us very susceptible to self-righteousness and spiritual pride. So if you think back to Chrissy's example and remember that it was her joyful attitude, her passionate love for Christ, and her selfless spirit that I noticed and that other people noticed, not just her clothing choices or the fact that she wasn't out with a guy on a Friday night. It it wasn't that that made the impact. Now, she did make really good decisions in those areas, but it was her passionate love for Christ that drew people to her. So people should primarily see you as a Christian, not as necessarily a homeschooler, a mom modest dresser or a courtship advocate. Those things aren't necessarily bad, but let them primarily see you as a Christian. If you find more satisfaction in your opinions and your choices than you do in the simple, amazing fact that you are a daughter of the king, then your convictions have definitely become an idol in your life. And just think about this. If you are ever imprisoned for your faith in Christ, it will definitely not be your example of homeschooling, wearing long skirts, or teaching your kids to sit still in church that will impact the prison guards and the other inmates for the gospel. Rather, it will be your hope, your faith, your gentleness, your courage, and most importantly, your love. As it says in 1 Corinthians 13, every other demonstration of our Christianity is meaningless without this all-important foundation. So really quickly, I want to look at how can you tell whether a conviction has become an idol in your life? Well, evaluate your beliefs about where your righteousness and your justification are coming from. Do you believe that you're accepted by God because of your personal lifestyle preferences and choices? 
or simply because you are in Christ Jesus, as it says in Romans 8, 1. If you're looking for spiritual security in anything outside of him, then you aren't walking in the reality of the gospel. So take time to become rooted in what it means to be clothed in his righteousness and not your own. There are some great messages on ellerslie.com under the sermon section on this topic, and one of my favorites is called The Poison of Political Correctness. So you can download that. That was given by my husband, Eric, and that goes a lot deeper into this topic. Secondly, I encourage you to ask yourself where your identity is coming from. If you are more known for your opinions, as we said earlier, than your example of Christ, then you need to readjust your priorities. Now, that doesn't mean throwing all your convictions out the window or going to opposite extremes, but it means you need to shift your focus. Ask God for the grace to center your life upon him and to make Christ and him crucified your north star. And whenever you start to veer away from that true north, ask him to pull your gaze back to where it belongs. And the other point that I want to make, or the other safeguard against that legalism trap, is to guard against a critical spirit. And I love this quote by Oswald Chambers. I've used it before in previous episodes, but he says, God never gives us discernment in order that we may criticize, but that we may intercede. If you see areas in other Christians' lives that need to be refined by the Spirit of God, the worst thing you can do is to gossip, criticize, or develop a superior attitude toward them. Instead, pray for them diligently and consistently show them the love and nature of Jesus Christ. James 1.20 says that human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So if you adopt a harsh, angry, critical attitude toward other believers, you're not going to help accomplish God's purposes in their life or in your life. A critical spirit won't produce the righteousness of God. So we need to remember that it is God's job to convict, refine, and purify other people, not ours. And when we try to become someone else's conscience, we are revealing our lack of faith in God's ability to do his refining work in their soul. So don't try to do the work that only his spirit can do. He is a far better convictor and purifier than we could ever be. And the last point I want to make here when it comes to this issue of legalism is to use your freedom in Christ well, because oftentimes those of us who have been hurt by legalism or have seen the negative outcomes of legalism can swing to opposite extremes in our lives. And we think, well, we just have freedom in Christ in Christ to live how we want to live. And that can often be a very abused concept. I knew a young man one time who had seen so much legalism and self-effort and self-righteousness, and he felt like the best way to combat that was to swing in the opposite direction and basically live how he wanted to live under this banner of having freedom in Christ. Many of us as modern Christians have adopted that kind of a mindset. We believe that the best way to prove that we have freedom in Christ and protect against legalism is to reject holiness and purity and embrace a worldly compromised existence. So if you find yourself shying away from words like purity, holiness, or righteousness, and frequently letting sin and worldliness into your life under the banner of Christian liberty, then very likely you are abusing your liberty in Christ. Christians who abuse their Christ-given liberty often justify their behavior by talking about their freedom in Christ and quoting verses from Galatians 5, 1, stand fast and the liberty by which Christ has made us free, or 1 Corinthians 10, 23, all things are lawful for me. But this attitude reveals a lack of understanding of what freedom in Christ really means. Christ did not 
set us free to live a life of sin and self-indulgence. He came to set us free from the controlling power of our sinful flesh so that we are now free to serve righteousness instead of sin. You can see that in Romans 6, 10 through 14. Paul clearly answers the liberty in Christ question in Galatians 5, 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. And in Galatians 5, 24, he says, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. The evidence that we have truly given our lives over to Jesus Christ is that we are no longer controlled by fleshly desires and indulgences. As Christians, we are now free from sin's control and empowered by his grace to live a life that is pleasing and honoring to him. Galatians 5, 19 through 23 distinguishes the difference between the fruit of the flesh, which is idolatry, drunkenness, jealousy, factions, carousing, etc., and the fruit of the spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control, etc., So if our lives are ruled by the fruit of the flesh, then it's a sign that we're not truly abiding in Christ. But if our lives are ruled by the fruit of the Spirit, it's a sign that we are yielded to His Spirit and empowered by His grace. So don't try to back into your belief system by living however you want in an attempt to avoid legalism. Use your freedom in Christ to embrace the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc. that He created you to exude. As you yield your life to his spirit, he will enable you by his grace to live a life of radiant purity that you could never live on your own. So some final thoughts I want to share with you. If you and I were given one sentence to describe who Jesus is to a non-believer, would we be able to say he's like me? The world will stand back in wonder when they see true set-apartness. So may we become Christians who are not ensnared by legalism or licentiousness, but are empowered by God's grace to live holy, pure, loving, joyful, peaceful, courageous lives that radiate with heavenly beauty and change the world around us for eternity. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. For more on this topic, please visit setapartgirl.com and see the article, The Beauty of True Set-Apartness, available in the online collection. Also, I'll be going deeper into this topic at our upcoming 2017 Set-Apart Conference on May 26th and 27th. I hope you'll be joining us in person or via simulcast. And remember, you can stream the simulcast up to three months after the event. Please visit setapartgirl.com for more details. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.